Welcome to the next panel. My name is Christian Finner and I'm a maritime partner at Watson, Farley and Williams, based here in Hamburg, and I'm heading our German offices. It is a great pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for the Capital Link team to inviting us uh, and hosting us, providing this excellent platform for what I'm sure will be a good discussion. The topic of this panel is ship finance and how it's adapting to a new landscape. I think we were carefully listening to the previous speakers and panelists, and I would say to some extent the new landscape has been set. What I gather from these conversations, it's of course the market which is impacting the landscape for ship finance. I think we see still a number of ship owners being focused on debt uh, reducing and not taking on. We see a range of regulations, as we heard earlier today. Geopolitics is something which definitely impacts the landscape for ship finance. And of course, we have the E, the S, the G, generally. Question might be, is there access to ship finance which can be considered as green and sustainable? And is there enough of incentive to either grant or either accept this type of financing? And generally, is there enough around of it? I think these topics are in the context of what we heard today, and I'm happy to have four experts in the ship finance space. It's unfortunate that we had one who is accepting the invitation, but is for illness reasons uh, dropping out today, but maybe next time he's back on the panel, I hope. So thank you very much to you guys uh, for being willing to be on the panel, to share your views, discuss with us the new landscape, and I thought it's rather a good way to get into conversation if you yourself introduce you briefly, your professional background, what have you done so far, what are you doing currently, and what your enterprise you are at is also being active in. So maybe, Heraklis, if you start at the very left of your intro. The corner. Okay, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Heraklis. I'm the director of origination in Neptune Maritime Leasing. Um, it's a leasing platform that was established two and a half years ago. And pretty much uh, we uh, do send leaseback transactions. That's our bread and butter for commercial vessels. Um, including offshore, which is a new area that we have expanded uh, since the beginning of the year. And um, yeah, very glad to uh, join the panel. Thank you. Martijn. Uh, Martijn van Tuyl, uh, in ship finance since 96 uh, and currently for the only US bank in shipping, that is not called City. Um, and we are a American spa casse, so we have a lot of cheap dollars and I'm looking forward to meeting you all. Yeah, my name is Philipp Wünschmann, uh, uh, representing shipping and banking out of Hamburg uh, for Berenberg. And uh, yeah, we try to be relevant in Europe and reliable. And uh, we are very happy, uh, Nicolas, that you organized this uh, conference again out of Hamburg. Uh, Hamburg should have its flag, so thank you for that. And yeah, happy to discuss. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. My name's Timothy So. I spent 12 years at the other US bank in um, shipping before joining Ascension, which is an alternative lender. We offer senior secured first lien debt. And um, what makes us a little bit different is we're able to look at slightly older vessels 
um, more flexibility on things like LTV across all of the major asset classes, including offshore support as well. Great. Thank you very much for your personal introduction. And as I said at the beginning, we want to talk on the new landscape for financial institutions and banks. We all obviously talk about the new landscape for a while now. Um, but if you look back, and Philip kindly mentioned the last Capital Link event, so if you just look back on the horizon of this very one year, would you say for you as, as uh, lenders um, and finance providers, in the context of the new landscape we are touching on um, a lot today, has there anything significantly changed that you would like to share with us? And maybe, Timothy, you, you make a start on that. Yeah, I think our normal borrower is small to medium ship owners who no longer have access to bank financing for whatever reason, credit allocation, their historical relationship bankers left the industry, um, or alternatively borrowers who still have access to bank financing but are trying to finance assets that are no longer financeable from their normal core relationship bank. I think over the course of the last year, we've seen an increase in demand for alternative financing for both of those types of borrowers. Um, on the types of borrowers who no longer have access to their relationship bank, I think there's been a retrenching from some core banks to focus on their core clients, which then means that the, uh, the names that were slightly more fringe in a bank's portfolio have no, lo no longer have access. And I think that trend has continued over the last 12 months. And increasingly, there is growing what appears to be growing appetite to purchase older secondhand tonnage. And mainly because, I guess, if you're listening to the last panel, because people are less, less willing to um, invest in new builds at the time. So we're also starting to see a lot of inbound from 15-year-old plus type of vessels, where borrowers are trying to finance those vessels until their fourth or fifth special survey. So I think those are the two trends that we're starting to see more of. Philip, um, representing the Hammock Banking Cluster. Yeah, um, I think last year we said here, um, we're still a bit shy to accept that uh, probably there's more repayment than new debt uh, and probably also shy to um, tell the audience that pricing goes down. So 12 months later, I think we are there um, to accept uh, that this trend has come to reality. And uh, I think the main thing, if you ask me what has changed over the last 12 months, I think now looking at, at the landscape as of today, uh, I would say it's sweet dreams from Eurismics to take the musical, um, but sweet dreams for, for you guys as, as owners uh, and those who lend, because I think uh, the whole shipping debt is mispriced today. Um, it does not really correlate with the risk implied if you just take um, the Clarkson C index, which I think came down like 25% in the last 12 months, uh, whereas the, the credit margins have come down by uh, a third or for some even more. Um, I think that is not really healthy. And uh, I wonder whether it's good to be long in, sh in shipping. Uh, Martin has, has told 96, I'm there like 22 years. And um, you remember sometimes where this development came and it was not healthy in the long run. So I think this is a tendency where I see uh, problems in front of us if two major segments at least are not in the best shape with regards to charter rates. 
and prices have also uh, gone much beyond the 10-year average line. So from a financing perspective, it should be uh, more challenging to finance, but obviously as there's not much demand out there right now, I think it's uh, more uh, challenging to say no uh, at the time. And uh, this is maybe one of the major features we, we will discuss uh, here on the panel as well. Thank you very much, Philip. Um, Martin, in particular, being based in the US, is there a different view here? Uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's an international business, so it, the, 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 the dynamic is the same everywhere. Uh, I fully subscribe what Philip is saying. There's, um, the, the competition is fierce for lenders to keep up their book. Um, the same goes for us, so every, it's, it's uh, an environment of adapting much to the benefit of uh, owners that are looking for money. Um, competition is also coming more from these two guys that, that uh, are able to, to give a little bit more leverage and be, be longer on the profile while not necessarily being more expensive anymore. So we, we definitely feel pressure there. If you, if you add SOFR in the normal margin, you're gonna be at eight. If Timothy charges you nine but gives you, you know, 65%, then, then that is a very attractive product. We try to adapt going the other way and try to come up with a product that gives flexibility for owners who do not necessarily need more leverage. So we saw it coming. The, the shipping, ship finance lifecycle is coming around. Margins are decreasing. Uh, uh, terms are being stretched. Uh, I just hope we don't revisit 10, 15 years ago because then that would be a shame. So it is it's being careful uh, and, and from our perspective, adapting, give clients optionality and, and make sure that these guys don't win all the deals. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, Iraklis, I understand you have sort of started very recently with your enterprise and um, up to 30 vessels now in just one more or less active year. Um, would you say, looking back for the last 12 months, uh, the, it could have been more, could have been less, given the landscape, or are you benefiting from... More is always better, so that's a short answer. Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I would like to spend a, a minute or so to focus more on the big picture and the yeah, country sure. today as well, and also expand on a few comments that Philip made as well. So the, the big picture is, in, in our view, pretty simple. The fleet is getting more and more expensive globally. That's a trend. New technologies, inflation, you name it. And at the same time, supply of capital is decreasing. That's a trend. There are ups and downs, but that's a trend. And the trend has not changed since 2008. Uh, we, as Neptune, we try to fill you know, a small gap of it, hopefully bigger and bigger going forward, but still a small gap. So definitely there is business for all of us on this table. That's not a question in my, in my mind. And, and if you know, uh, we look back to 10, 15 years, I'm pretty sure Nicolas was able to fill you know, three, four different panels just with banks and financiers. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. That's not the case anymore. So there is a, a, a key challenge that has not been addressed even, you know, to, to, to some extent, which is, you know, the supply of capital for shipping. That's the big picture. Now, coming more to what also Philip said about the fact that uh, debt for shipping is mispriced, I concur. And, and 
we will probably start seeing more and more of the results of that with Basel IV being implemented over the next few years, especially in Europe. Uh, it is something that has not been discussed yet, but I'm pretty sure it will be a topic in the next uh, panels in, uh, to follow in the, in the next few years, uh, whereby you know, small to medium-sized shipping enterprises have been classified somewhat better than what the regulator, at least, would like to see being classified. And that will put more pressure. More pressure on the banks, more pressure on us, more pressure because we are you know, working with the bank, so we'll feel the pressure, no doubt about it. So the whole industry will get even more challenging in terms of getting more capital to the business. Um, so that's a big piece. Now, again, for us, uh, indeed, as you said, um, we started only a couple of years ago. This year has been pretty good because we have done even more business than what we thought initially, which is a, you know, a very positive development. Uh, but it's not enough, and uh, we have grown the team. We, uh, you know, we have a new investor since the beginning of the year as well, a very large one. It's public information. Um, so everything is going well, but uh, we're still not feeling that we, uh, we are even grasping a bit of the potential that we can achieve. Yeah, it's very, very interesting to hear your insights from sort of different perspectives and, and I, I, I hear what you say in terms of how it would have been a panel looking like in the past and it's uh, interesting to hear your insights. But just on, on one thing, we, we heard a number of thoughts already uh, today and, and we all know that um, new building projects are underway and, and many ship owners have ordered uh, ships in China, Korea or Japan. And of course, that is part of the efforts to becoming uh, greener. Um, is, is, is a new building program, is that something you are having in mind when you uh, look into finding, financing opportunities? So pre and post delivery things, is that something you look at? Or Timothy, it's rather the other, other end of, of the life cycle? Or? Yeah, so I think by the nature of the types of borrowers we speak to, there's not a lot of new building to be done. Um, smaller medium owners, I think, are holding back on, on ordering. And even if the technology was, was available and, and a little bit more certain, I think a lot of them view a good return on investment to be at a vessel between 12, 10 to 15 years old. So they don't really want to pay the premium for a, a complete new build. I think in, in general, even when looking at an older vessel, you still care about ESG because you know, an older vessel is going to resell for less. It's going to be less desirable to, to counterparties. It's going to achieve a lower day rate. It's going to have a higher OPEX rate. So as an alternative lender that isn't signed up to Poseidon or anything else. It's not that we're financing CIIE-rated vessels and 30-year-old capes. There's still a decent credit decision to be made off the back of having environmentally greener vessels than not environmentally greener vessels. Um, but I think from the types of borrowers we speak to, they are not having difficulty placing vessels with quality charter parties, even if those vessels aren't very green. And so from their perspective, there's a lack of incentive to pursue greener vessels or pursue new builds because they can still find employment for the vessels in their fleet or the vessels that they're looking to buy. And until they don't, until those cash flows disappear, we'll be able to lend to them. And I think you're going to see that, that system kind of perpetuating. Um, so yeah, not, not really a massive issue with our borrower base at the moment. No, interesting angle you're raising with the charter, I have to say. But I think, Philip, you touched on it briefly. Um, new building, is it something for Berenberg or not? And uh, I think um, it's interesting. We, 
we see a two-tier market here. Um, the one side is this, what, what one could call industrial shipping, uh, that is very much now on this green track, is trying out technology and needs to try out technology because there is the corporate background to do this, to take this risk and to be financed uh, on, on the corporate level for, for these new investments. And this includes obviously new building and new propulsion, new fuels, new technology. I think the other side, and this is where I think all of us here focus still on, is uh, that um, traditional tramp owner ordering. Yeah. And there, as Berenberg, we see it. Uh, as you know, we run more than 5,000 accounts for shipping clients, so we see them opening accounts for new buildings, for the SPVs. Uh, the interesting thing is most of them pay the first installments by cash, so out of the good years, um, the investments are made with, uh, with own equity. So we don't see that financing uh, spree coming, but uh, I agree with you, Eurocles. Uh, I'm not that pessimistic. It, 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 uh, if you don't, don't get me wrong uh, with, my, with my earlier statement, I'm very optimistic that the potential is there to finance, first of all, the existing fleet refinance that one in order to make uh, the, the owner being able to, to finance uh, the, the first installments by, by, by freeing equity, by freed equity. And secondly, then, uh, the, the wave of second-hand vessels will come to the market. And especially in the bulk side, uh, we have seen a lot of conventional propulsion ordering. And let's see how this can be financed at a bigger scale with the EU taxonomy in place. Uh, uh, don't, don't forget the sentence uh, dedicated to the transport of fossil fuel that is in the regulation, that means especially for bigger banks or those who follow the taxonomy that bulk financing, as long as we talk about coal transport, will be more difficult. So also another field where maybe more flexible alternative offerings might come into the game. And, and Martin, just to add on, not sure what your answer might be uh, on the question, but even theoretically you say, yes, look, uh, new building financing might be interesting. Uh, how important is the ESG angle then if you look into these projects? Yeah, I think, listen, we, we're, all, we're all in favor of that uh, as, as human beings, but as an institution, it is, it is not on the forefront of our deal making. And since it is on the forefront of deal-making for many of our big European competitors, doing new buildings is a very crowded space, uh, uh, serviced by the big banks and the big leasing houses. So that is, it is not naturally a space where I would look for business. Well, if we have a good owner uh, that needs financing for a new building, fine, we'll do post-delivery financing, we would happily do that. And I agree with Timothy, uh, it is, there's a lot of debt service and there's high interest rates, so break-evens are not easy to, uh, to keep low. Uh, projects are a little bit more challenging, so unless you do real corporate finance and not projects finance like we like to do, it is not the best place to be in, commercially. I'm, I'm very happy that the fleet is uh, rejuvenated, obviously, um, but not our natural deal making. We'd be, you know, more inclined to do midlife assets, are competitive on uh, on our profile uh, to scrap, uh, and and that is that's our natural comfort zone of doing uh, doing business. Okay, but, but so ESG, 
answer your question. Yes. ESG is is not a driver of any of our finances. Okay. Sorry to say, glad to say. No, it, no, 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 no excuse needed. We just want to understand yeah. how the market uh, reacts to the landscape, uh, yeah. sh shaping it. And I think one one could think that uh, if if you are covering this this part of the fleet. This frees up the resources from elsewhere for 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 the younger parts of the fleet. So. That's how I sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Please do hear. Iraklis, would you mind uh, sharing your views on on new building activities with us? Definitely, we are open to new builds. Actually, we have two transactions now that we are uh, working on. One was committed already yesterday. So definitely, that's a short answer. Uh, more on whether EAG plays a role now decision making. It's an important factor, but not a critical factor at this point in time. Probably in the next few years, it will become also a critical factor. And when we're talking about DHG, probably, you know, most of the times we're talking about the E part, because I don't think the S and the G get so much attention, uh, with the exception of the very few large publicly traded companies out there. If the S and the G parts had to play a more important role, then lots of the business models of the bulk of the of the shipping groups will have to change. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of a remark there, especially about the governance part, where those are family-owned businesses. They don't have, you know, independent board members and uh, and, and other, uh, you know, uh, with different bank crowds, etc. So that's a, a different consideration. So on the A part, uh, we are actively looking into new builds, but also uh, equally looking into retrofits. So I very much echo all the comments made on the previous panels, whereby um, upgrades on vessels uh, are important. In our opinion and view, uh, we think that there are going to be you know, more and more new build orders, but not as many as the previous peak. It will be more balanced. And at the same time, vessels that used to be considered that will be scrapped around the age of 20 will go to 25 years old hopefully with retrofits. So we are very keen to, to look at, you know, engine retrofits for vessels that are younger than 10 years old, because then there could be a thesis made that uh, you can easily extend the vessel, the economic life of these vessels to 25 years, if not even a bit longer. And that's a, you know, a business case to be made. I think to, to add on that, um, very, one thing which is very important for, for the industry is that we use the time we might still have now up until these new building wave is coming, that we educate the investor base. And I think still there's a very, let's say, bad reputation of shipping being, being considered to be dirty, to, to, to pollute to pollute the seas and so on and so forth. And I think it very much makes sense to talk to institutional capital right now and to educate them into what I would ex uh, call a transition investment and something where you could really find something w which is not greenwashing, which is concrete, uh, doing better by financing, uh, let's say, new, a new tonnage. But I think this is, this is a process. And if you look at the, the investor base right now, they are uh, occupied uh, by other things. The institutional investors look at their commercial real estate uh, portfolio currently, so they don't have time and don't have the, the liquidity for shipping investments right now. But uh, if this storm is hopefully over sometimes, let us see, <laughs> a difficult question. But uh, if then I think we should be there with the industry and having educated them that a new building and young tonnage, uh, retrofitted tonnage is something valuable for their portfolios.
And I think this is a, a task we as Berenberg very much do in, in, in our regular conversation with those investors, but it needs to be done on a broad, broad front. We need a lot of capital here. Yeah, and of course, uh, that, that helps a lot, but uh, you need others engaging with these investors to, to be ready for this, and, and this education needs to come from a broad part of the industry, I guess. I think, Eric, picking up one of your thoughts um, uh, on the, e, the S, the G, and, and uh, the question if, if the broad range of industry is, is ready to deal with all these three topics on a, on a similar professional level, which I understand from you, it's not really the case. Um, I think that, that, that tends to points in a, in a direction of differentiating between those owners who are ready and those who are not. And some say it's a bit of a question of the size of the company, the size of the balance sheet. Are you listed elsewhere and are you already anyway uh, for other requirements? Um, would, would you, following up on, on your comment, would you, you see there is a serious problem for smaller ship owners to, to get financing in the mid to long term? Or would you just say it's more mindful of, of doing your homework? Generally or because of the EAG in part? Because of the EAG, the S and the G, no, it doesn't get so much attention. Yeah, okay, uh, not now. So let's see. For the time being, it's perfectly fine. The E part gets a bit of attention, but again, more and more. So what we do is for instance, uh, there, there is a request to finance a, a modern uh, vessel that uh, maybe at the moment is on C, rating on CII, but then most likely will become D in the next three, four years. So while we have the St. Lisbeck still ongoing, then we're very much going to actively engage with a ship owner and tell them, okay, you know, what about uh, making a few upgrades on the vessels already now or with, together with the next pest survey, so time it as well, as much as possible. Uh, and here is, you know, an additional tranche to finance those, uh, those upgrades. So it's a win-win because there will be direct savings, the payback period from what I heard on the previous panel is pretty short. So again, it could make easily sense to do that. And you have the finance attached with acquisition of the vessel. So it, 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 it's a much more dynamic way of structuring a deal than it was a few years ago. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's what we are going to continue to do. Definitely. Yeah, thank you very much. Is, is there any views on this differentiating between smaller and larger owners on, on your end, Timothy? I think the problem with retrofitting is you need to take security of the ship. I remember when scrubbers first became a commercially available technology. When I was at City, we had a lot of approaches for people who wanted to package 20 scrubbers together into some sort of second lean financing, and they didn't want to give collateral over the vessel just on the scrubbers. And it became very clear you can't rip a scrubber off a vessel if anything ever goes wrong. So those structures then became senior secured financing on the vessel that happens to have either an additional tranche or just a slightly higher advance rate to qualify for the scrubber. And the problem that when you're speaking especially to owners that target older vessels is you have to, they have to install that at the time that the financing goes in place. And sometimes that doesn't line up with surveys or their own investment plan. And or they would like to uh, install a scrubber, but they don't want to take out what's currently quite cheap bank financing and replace it with alternative lender financing purely to raise the extra 2-3% to install some sort of retrofit. So a lot of the time for us, it's about not whether or not we're willing to advance the extra 2 or 3% to retrofit. It's how that lines up with the company's view on security and their capital structure and their surveys. And, and that can be quite difficult compared to a larger corporate 
that will always have some vessel coming up that they're willing to um, refinance into a, a, a retrofit type of facility. That's noted. Philip Martin, any views? Uh, actually, um, nothing bad about small owners. Um, actually, I don't like this distinction between small and big. I, I would rather distinct between, and we are regulated, so we would look at the SNG uh, in this respect very much, so it's a matter of being professional. But a small owner very often is very close to the asset and is very close to, to, te to the te technical part of things. So we sometimes appreciate that. And if it, if it comes with a professional financial mindset, being able to, to, to let's say, deliver on, on uh, numbers and reportings um, and being able also to attract third-party capital to make the investments, it's fine to have a small owner. And we work with them uh, since decades, and still we are here. So nothing bad about it. Of course, and the quality can be very, very high. So I, I definitely agree uh, from my observations with you. Listen, S&G are, are the, the tougher ones to measure, uh, and, and, but maybe not to act by. When it comes to the G, I think you have to distinguish between companies that work with their own private money, family, and other people's money. And when it comes to other people's money, we will have to rely a little bit more on, on the stock exchanges and the local rules to, to make sure that is covered. They don't need me to come in and incentivize them with five basis points to do so. So it, the G part is, is, uh, is tough. Um, the S part, there's, there's many aspects to S. Right, uh, 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 I like to think, but maybe that's a little bit naive, it is a global business, it is as multicultural as it comes. Everybody that is active in shipping uh, uh, deals with many cultures, has many cultures in the office already. Uh, I would love to see women participation at a much higher level uh, in this industry, so I think that is, that is something that, that the industry should be able to work on. But very hard for me to say, okay, I give you 10 extra basis points of the margin if I, if I see, you know, uh, uh, five, five of this or five or that. So the, the environmental part that, that we all can concentrate on, the S and the G, very hard to measure, tough to act on, and, and we see competitors, you know, come up with some measure to, to tick the box internally to to cover the S&G part. We don't have that uh, uh, challenge. Uh, and, and as a whole, I don't think shipping is that bad in the region we work in, North America, Europe. I mean, that's, I can't say for the whole world, but yeah. Uh, may I yeah, push a bit Martin a bit on Shabin, please. Because he made a good point about uh, public money, private money. Don't forget KG and KS. Private money, yeah. not stock exchange. How will, how will you go about that? For us, it's very important governance. There have been cases whereby we have been presented with, you know, a new investment thesis, sort of like a GKS, but we didn't feel comfortable with the upper layer of that governance, and we didn't do that. So there have been cases that we felt comfortable and cases that we haven't felt comfortable. So it gets attention, in some cases even more than others, uh, and, and I'm all mentioning that because, you know, of the KG and KS structures that uh, 
have been uh, pretty familiar in this. But you're, you're managing other people's money too. So what did you put in place to make sure the S and the G are covered within yes. that So uh, I will answer that as follows. We are eight people in the management team, including myself, and we have eight board members. So <laughs> it's a, it's a top-heavy structure because we have <laughs> independent board members, different backgrounds, approved by uh, basically uh, all the investors, small and large. So it, we, we, we very much hope, and, and that's also our investors' what thing, is that it's a very solid governance structure catering for the long-term growth. So that's mm -hmm. uh, Thank you very much. Um, speaking about finance, two, two points on numbers I would like to raise and try to, to cover. Um, as we all know, the industry has committed itself to um, uh, certain ambitions by 2050, and existing ships, as we all heard, have to be converted for future fuels or retrofits. Um, there is a report by the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development that states there must there come additional burns in the range of 75 to 26 billion euros for the entire decarbonization process by 2050. So how to fill that gap? And would you step in, are being available? Um, have you considered? Volunteers. It's a challenge. I've already said that. Huge challenge, I would agree. And uh, I think uh, with the landscape as of today, I think we uh, underestimate that because the industry is in a relatively good shape. Uh, the, the investor base is not. Uh, and the investor base has turned face, the more opportunistic ones, to other, other areas. So big challenge, I see. And uh, so the only thing is what we try to, to be is, is being knowledgeable in this sector and sell that knowledge or let's say, transfer that knowledge to this investor base on a regular basis, so that uh, at the right point they are ready to enter. I think that's the main task, to be here, to be here for the long, and then uh, do the next deal. Uh, we cannot look at this very big number. Yeah? Uh, the shipping always had very big numbers, uh, let's face it. This time it's very big, it seems to be very big, but this is nothing unique in shipping. That's in other areas as well. No, I fully agree, and uh, I, I hear your uh, point on the investor, and uh, probably you should get, jump on another panel about investment in shipping right away so, or to uh, educate them. Timothy, you want to say that? I was going to say, there was a point in 3Q and 4Q of last year, you could buy a double B bond, publicly traded, liquid traded, and get the same yield as a shipping loan. So as a third-party investor, why would you invest in a liquid shipping asset that you may probably know less about compared to um, a bond. And I think that is, even if you remove any ESG context or, or green part of that fund, that is the issue that shipping has with third-party investors, is there's always another asset class that investors know better that will give a comparable or better yield for at any point in the market. And investors will jump from commercial real estate to aviation to commodities or whatever. Shipping is always much lower down that priority list, mainly because a lot of people have been either burnt in the past or the only time they think about shipping is when a ship gets trapped in the Suez Canal. It's the only time you ever see shipping in the press. Um, I think what I'm waiting to see is whether or not third-party investors look with ESG-specific funds, view shipping, aviation, industrial credits, 
which are higher polluting than the types of ESG they would normally invest in, like solar or wind. And they view transition and decarbonisation of carbon-heavy industries with the same amount of merit as just non-carbon-emitting industries in the first place. And we haven't seen that mentality shift yet, but it does seem quite difficult to tell an entire industry you need to decarbonise, but as third-party investors, we have no appetite in giving you the capital to do it. And I think that is, to Philip's point, that is a both a philosophical and information gap that we need to bridge over the next few years. Thank you very much. That's, that's very helpful to, to understand your views. Um, I think obviously time is, time is, time is running, and, and we said at the beginning that the landscape is being also shaped by geopolitics, and probably even more uh, these days. Um, is, 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 are your institutes looking into specific um, happenings, and um, is, is there something you're now rather being slow on decision-making or rather quick in other, other directions? If you look at uh, geopolitics. Um, let, me, let me kick it off. Uh, an, 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 obvious, an obvious one, of course, is uh, Russia-Ukraine, loading Russian oil, price cap. We have quite a few owners that have transport crude, do it legally. Um, but as time goes on, it becomes more of a struggle to really see what is going on. Um, and that, that makes you scratch your head. Are we, are we as a financier going to be, you know, uh, uh, waving our finger and say you, you, you can't do that anymore, although it's legal. To what extent is it legal? Or are the rules and regulations imposed just too crappy to, uh, to get the effect that you want? So for us, it is a struggle to, to, to work with owners and, and know they do the right thing uh, and may not always have perfect information. And and that is that is and the owners themselves struggle with it too. Imagine you you were chartering your vessel to somebody and and you're provided the information you should have for all your P&I insurance and to to be compliant. While yeah, is is the whole chain that happens next compliant? I think that is I, at the moment this would be the biggest struggle to uh, to make sure you you keep yourself on the right side. Absolutely. Geopolitically, that is, that's a big thing. Yeah, I've, I fully agree. Yeah. So, Iraklis, could you help us understanding your views? Uh, yes, in terms of sanction, that's a red line for us, similar to most of the banks, yeah. if not all the banks, especially in Europe. So there's no discussion about that. Now, other elements that are geopolitical of nature and could, are very relevant to our business are, of course, in terms of finance. Um, it's not a secret that the... Uh, the largest part of the gap that has been created in 2008 has been absorbed by uh, Asian leasing houses, yes, yeah. without naming specific uh, countries, but that's... Yes, uh, Carl, you need them. Yeah, Carl, <laughs> Carl, <is> Carl. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, um, and, um, and, and there is not a, a zero probability that uh, models need to be adjusted to potential risks that... Uh, you know, maybe uh, you need to, to, to get back to, to Europe and US to find the capital rather than go only to Asia, as uh, many models, especially of the large groups, have relied over the last few years. Um, I have in mind the order books of a few large Greek shipping groups, which are multi-billion order books, 
And when I asked Martin uh, over coffee before, you know, if they couldn't go to Asia to find us those order books, where will they go? I don't know. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> sure. that's, a, that's a development we we we, we see see a lot with uh, leasing coming out of Asia. So yeah, and they keep placing orders. So you know, three billion here, four billion there. I'm talking about the very large groups now. Yeah. And say, yeah, finance will be there. It's okay. We'll always find it. Yes, so far. But what if not? That's for the next panel. Uh, Philip, we also touched on new building um, generally and, and also look to Asia and, and China, Taiwan, this, this problematic. I, I told you that I've seen this in shipbuilding um, matters where the question now comes up, what actually happens if I place my order in, in, in China and I've paid down my um, prior, prior to delivery installments or my refund guarantee obviously coming from a Chinese, Chinese banks? I think so far there is no real good answer for now, but I think looking into, uh, from your end, looking into these projects, um, what is your view concern when you look to that region of the world? Yeah, I think I um, fully agree what Iraklas said. It's, it's a real risk, um, which interestingly, um, and maybe surprisingly, is not really taken uh, by the ship owners uh, in the sense that they still order in China. We see that as well. Uh, so Obviously, this, this uh, um, experience of there has always been a solution, and this is too big to, to happen, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's, it's a black swan event, definitely. Uh, makes people, uh, yeah, I cannot really cope with this. And, and let's face it, if more than 50% of the order book is from China, uh, we, we have a big problem then. In, in this case, yeah, there's, there's no doubt. But we are careful about this risk, and it's also difficult to, if you look for a risk insurance on that, it's, it's also not that easy. So there is no immediate solution um, uh, for, for, that, for that topic. No, no. Uh, but for pre-delivery financing, definitely, uh, if we look into this, it would uh, be an element of assessment, yes. Yeah. No, rightly so. Timothy. Um, no, I think it's, I think, China and Taiwan, I think a lot of this is black spawn, right? No one really thought what was going to happen in, in Gaza would have happened. No one really thought, I remember when Russia-Ukraine started, everyone kind of thought he would back down and it's now quite an ongoing conflict. So a lot of the geopolitical side is, is hard to, to cater for from a credit perspective or take into account. I think the, the larger issue we have on the sanctions side now is corporates who have some Russian nexus or Russian trade but don't really. But the vessel that you're financing doesn't go to Russia, and so how do you, as a lender, take on or look at that sanctions risk when the paperwork that you receive on your vessel shows it's just going around the Mediterranean or whatever else? But you know that half of the fleet does call on Russia on spot trades. How do you, as a lender, get comfortable from that sanctions risk? And I think that is um, increasingly we're seeing that a lot of owners are doing legal Russian trade to help buoy um, the P&L. But we don't, we don't see that. So it is tough for us to, to be able to, to lend in those situations. Yeah, thanks for sharing this. Um, I know we do not really have a lot of time, but as, as there are microphones out there, do we have a question? Do we have two questions? Is there anyone interested to hear more? Well, I have a question, if I may. Of course, Nico. I don't want to ask it because I know everybody wants to go for lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> the question I wanted to ask Obviously, all of you are observing sanctions and so on. We talked about it. But maybe I'm ignorant, but who is financing 
all those dark three facets. The second, you know, not, not the new builds. Equity. Yeah. So they, all, all of them are equity driven? Yeah, they pay for themselves with that kind of with kind of day rates. Seriously. So so most most owners that do that can do it can do it with equity. And and if there's illegal money behind it, this is definitely equity or banks will never see. There's I, I agree with Ripless. There's no Western bank that will that will stick his hand in there. And jurisdictions are also not in Europe. Yeah. Why do we have nine hundred company New, newly created in Dubai last year or this year, I don't know. Yeah. Question mark. And we and we know we know owners who trade and and are open about it and and yeah, they also have a fleet that doesn't, but we cannot finance that. No way. So it is it's it's a little bit of a When it comes to that sector, it's a little bit of a minefield, so you have to really... K KYC is not a paper exercise. But maybe uh, to, to maybe end this with a good, good uh, <laughs> uh, 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 thing is uh, that also the observation is uh, with these, all these transactions that run through our accounts that um, that say the industry has done well to adapt now. And we have really seen over the last 12 months a big learning on every side. And so there's, we see that today the shipping companies are much more professional handling this uh, in, in, let's say, having the right legal advice, uh, but also, uh, let's say, not, yeah, not doing any business anymore. So I think there's also a very positive view that, uh, that we see a development here. And this goes on the G of, of governance, which is much better than it used to be. Thank you very much, and of course, please excuse the slide overrun. Uh, very interesting to hear your views from different perspectives. We all indeed can now much better see how the landscape uh, is, is um, infecting you and how you're adapting. Um, it's difficult to, to wrap up this in a, in a one sentence, but I'm very pleased that we made it in 45 minutes to touch on these complex topics. Uh, thank you very much for your efforts on doing so. And uh, I, I would hope that the sense one of you said there will be always a solution might be the wrap-up, and so we continue. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.